The book of Revelation. Uh, the, the word itself, revelation, there's a word within the word revelation, reveal, and that's what revelation is. It's the revealing, and so a lot of people are afraid of the book of Revelation, but we're going to see it's not something that we have to be afraid of. It's actually something that uh, we should be excited about reading and understanding. It starts off, the very first verse is the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah. And so that's a good thing. So that's what this whole book is about. It's the revealing of Yeshua the Messiah. So while it mentions beasts and all other kinds of things in there and various different uh, prophetic implications, the main thrust of the whole book is to reveal Yeshua to us. And that shouldn't be a scary thing, nor should that be a hard thing to understand. It should be a pretty simple thing for us to understand. And so while Revelation might seem hard to understand, I think we're going to find it very simple. I'll try and make it simple for you, because that's the best I can do. So, uh, so anyway, we'll hopefully benefit from it and, and understand it. And then it continues, it says, which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Yeshua Messiah to all things that he saw. So God gave it to Yeshua. Yeshua gave it to his angel. His angel gave it to John. And as John bore witness, we're going to see to the seven congregations and wrote it down and it's been shared with us so that we can share it with others. Right? That's the whole premise through the whole thing. So it's a, it's a sharing book. Right? It's not something that should be locked up, hidden away, unused, unread, ununderstood, but something that should be passed from one to another on down through the ages. And so that's what God wants us to do with it. He wants us to hear it, learn it, and share it. Verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So we're blessed if we read it. We're blessed if we hear it. We're blessed if we keep it, apply it to our lives, internalize it, let it change our lives, let it impact our lives, and then, again, share it with other people. And so it's a good book. It's a great book. It's important for us to understand. Now, it's important for us to understand, and the best way to understand it, because each chapter leads into the next, not necessarily chronological, but helping to unfold each part of it, and it's important to understand the book of Daniel in order to understand the book of Revelation. They go hand in hand, and they complement each other, and one leads to the next. And so to hear it, to absorb it, to keep it, to share it. For the time is near. So as John is writing this, these prophecies, these prophecies about, are about things that start to happen near John's time and then continue to the end of time. One of the principles that we saw as we looked at the book of Daniel was the prophecies go from the time of the prophet to the end of time. And that's what we're going to see Revelation does. It starts at the time of John and then goes to the end of time, to our day and to the Lord's coming, and then it'll continue and we'll go back and do that again and do it again and do it again throughout the book. Several mini prophecies within the whole book. All of them starting at John's day, 
going to the end of time, just like we saw in the book of Daniel. John, to the seven congregations which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who, was, who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, from Yeshua Messiah, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. There's a lot here in verse 4. Starting to get packed in here. So it's a, he's sharing it with the seven congregations. So again, from God to Yeshua, from Yeshua to the angel, from the angel to John, from John to the seven congregations, and then thus to us, and again for us to share. And grace and peace to him who is, who was, and who is to come. We're going to see this come up several times through the book of Revelation. It's an important phrase. It's describing Yeshua and describing him that he is, that he, that he is, he's currently with us, he is currently present, that he is alive, that he does live, and that he has been, that he was, he always has been, and he will be as well. Now this phrase that's used here to describe Yeshua is also taken and twisted a little bit and applied to the anti-Messiah power. And we're going to see the anti-Messiah ends up counterfeiting or attempting to counterfeit these various things that describe Yeshua. And so we have Yeshua as the true, as the faithful witness, firstborn from the dead, the king of the earth, who is, who was, and who is to come. And then we'll see a counterfeit coming along and trying to duplicate him and trying to get all the world to follow after him. And that's really Satan in all his form, but the various forms that he uses, Revelation's going to reveal to us. And Revelation's going to explain itself to us. It becomes its own interpreter, right? So, uh, so there's Revelation will paint a picture, and we saw in the, in the book of Daniel, like in Daniel 11, troublesome times are, are coming upon this world, but we have the assurance that God will see us through those times because he is with us. Because he was from the past. From all the troubles we've seen, from being uh, slaves in Egypt, through being chased and tempted to be killed in, at, uh, at the Red Sea, through the time in the wilderness, through difficulties God has seen us through, through people like Haman trying to totally annihilate us. God was there all through it, and he has seen us through to this day. Yes, there's been deaths and martyrs down through the ages. Yes, there's been very troublesome times. Yes, we've been dispersed. Yes, we've had lots of hard times. But he has been with us, and he has seen us through. And we still remain thousands of years later. And he, so he is, he was, and he is to come. He'll be with us into the future as well. He'll be with us through the troublesome times that are coming upon this earth in the near future. And so we have the assurance and the faith that will see us through because he's been with us in the past. And from the seven spirits who are before God's throne, from Yeshua the Messiah, his faithful witness, it's the seven spirits, seven, we're going to see seven used a lot here in Revelation. It's used a lot in the Bible, depicting a fullness, a total, a complete God created the earth in seven days. That was the total of the completion. He completed it. He finished it. It was good. It was very good. It was done and completely done. And so his seven spirits, his full spirit poured out from our, before his throne. Yeshua the Messiah, he's the faithful witness. 
He is faithful, he is true, he testifies, and he's the firstborn from the dead. Now, was Yeshua the firstborn from the dead? Was he the first one raised from the dead? Permanently is a good way to put it. That's right. Yes, he was the first one permanently. But there were others that were raised. Right? God used Elijah to, to, to raise uh, a young boy who, who died. And, um, and Elisha, after he was dead, his bones, a man gets thrown into the same cave that uh, Elijah is buried in, and he comes back to life. And Yeshua raised several people from the dead. So he's not the first one who was raised from the dead chronologically, but he's the first one in importance. If he wasn't raised, then all the rest, no, no resurrection. And actually even first permanently. We have Elijah who went straight to heaven. We have Moses who died and was buried in who God resurrected in a special resurrection mentioned in the book of Jude. And so he's not even the first one chronologically that way. But he is the first and foremost in importance. Because if he did not raise, there is no resurrection then. Because our resurrection, our life, our eternal life is dependent upon him. So he's first in preeminence. And, it's, and then it goes on. He's the ruler over the kings of the earth. He is the preeminence there as well. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He rules over this earth. So while again there's troubles on this earth, while there have been troubles down through the ages, he is still over them all. He raises them up. He brings them down. He is still in ultimate control. So we have assurance, we can trust in him. Verse 5, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and koanim to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's a good preamble, that's a good start to this book. He loves us. He's with us. He's always been with us. He will always be with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He loves us. Having him on our side, having him with him, we don't have to fear anything that will come upon this and upon this world. And he's washed us from our sins. What tense is that? And has washed us and washed us from our sins. Past, present, or future? Past. He's already done it. He's already washed us from our sins. In his death, he has taken our sins. His shed blood has washed us from our sins. He has removed them from us. Right? You shall call his name Yeshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. He's washed us from our sins. Right? If you're out playing in the mud and you get all muddy from head to toe, and you go in and you take a shower and shampoo and wash up and wash your hair and clean your old body from head to toe? Where did all the mud go? Went down the drain and removed from us. We're no longer dirty. We're no longer left in our sins. He removes the sins from us. The record, its power, its influence, its hold over us, he sets us free from sin. He sets us free from even sinning by his power, by his grace, because he's then made us kings and koanim. He's made us rulers. He's given us victory. He's made us overcomers. And we're going to see that's a central theme here in Revelation as well. He's made us victorious in him so that he can present us to God and Father 
And thus, because he has done these things, because he has loved us, and because he has loved us, he has washed us in his sacrifice, in his blood. He has raised us up and made us kings and koanims to reign with him. Thus, all glory and all dominion is his. All glory, all goodness, all praise, and all power, all authority is his. That doesn't leave a whole lot left for the devil. All dominion has been given over to Yeshua. He is the ultimate power. The only influence the devil has over us is lies. If we believe those lies, we give him authority. If we believe in the Lord and believe these words, even what we just read here, even these first five verses, this is enough that all we need. Full gospel here, the full promises of God to see us through it all. It doesn't leave anything left for the devil. You just believe these words. We will have assurance and faith and courage and strength to go from victory to victory. Verse 7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So he's coming, he's coming again, and he's coming on the clouds, and every eye will see him. Does that sound like a secret thing? Every eye will see him. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, He shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the shofar of God. Not a quiet thing. Like lightning comes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be, in Matthew 24. Well, when there's lightning, there's thunder, right? That's a very visual thing, very uh, audio thing as well. Like lightning and sound, the thunder. Every eye will see him. Every ear will hear him. Not a secret thing. Not a, not a well, where is he? Oh, I hear he's there. Let's see if we can catch him on TV. Again, the, there'll be, Satan will impersonate and try and copy all of these things. But don't get deceived. He comes in the clouds and every eye will see him at once. It'll be a miraculous thing for all around the world to see him and even those who pierced him, which means they will get a special resurrection. Caiaphas and Pilate will get a special resurrection to see him coming in the clouds with all of his angels. They'll be resurrected to see that coming. Just as he told them, you will see the Son of Man seated on the right hand of power, and they will. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn why are they mourning? It's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a God's deliverance. John says, even so, amen. Because there'll only be two groups. There'll be those who love his appearing and look forward to his appearing. will be delivered, as, as Daniel chapter 12, the last chapter. Michael will stand up. He will deliver his people out of their trouble, out of the time of trouble. He will step in, he will deliver us, but there will be another group who hate his appearing, who've been resisting him, who've been rejecting his love, who've been choosing to stay in sin, who've been refusing to accept the washing that he has already done in our behalf, and have chosen rather to love the sins of this world, to love the things of this world. And they will mourn his coming. They will cry out for the hills and the rocks and the mountains to fall on them and to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. 
Or say, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Or in Hebrew, it would be the Aleph and the Tav. In English, it would be the A and the Z, the whole entire alphabet, the whole gamut, every word, everything. Noel describes, I am the beginning and the end. He's always been there, always will be. Says the Lord again, second time, who is and who was and who was and who is to come, the Almighty Shaddai, the mighty God, the Almighty God. This is the second time he uses this phrase, who is, who was, and is to come. It makes it important. We're going to see it again. Verse 9, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Yeshua and Messiah, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Yeshua the Messiah. So he was persecuted for the testimony of Messiah. He was persecuted for the word of God. If God allowed that to happen to John, and God loved John, we should not be surprised if he allows us to go through trials and difficulties and tribulations. But God used it, and on that island, John was able to write the book of Revelation. Not in the Bible, but uh, it's believed through tradition that they tried to kill John by putting him in boiling oil. And God miraculously spared him. While the other disciples were killed, martyrs, John was miraculously spared. And they didn't know what else to do with him. We've got to shut this guy up. So they sent him to a little island, a rock island of Patmos, out in the Mediterranean Sea. And then God gives them this vision of the book of Revelation. They try and shut him up, but he writes this book of Revelation. And he's able to send it to the seven congregations. And that's why it's written in code. That's why it's written with a symbolism that might seem hard to understand. Because he had to get it through the Romans. The Romans actually end up carrying the letter for him and delivering it for him. They were probably excited about it. We wanted to shut this guy up. Well, look at this. He wrote this thing. We're going to present this to them. They're going to think he's nuts. They're going to think he's crazy. They're going to think he lost his mind out there. He's been out in the sun too long. They're not going to listen to another thing he ever has to say. They're going to write him off. And so they let it pass through. Verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven congregations which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. We're going to get into those letters, those messages to those seven congregations next week. Verse 12, then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now we're going to see this several times in Revelation as well. He'll hear something, he will turn to see what he heard, and he will see something different than what he heard, but in, it's not really different. It's really the same thing. And this will be an example of that. So he turns to see the voice, and you can't see a voice, but he turns to see the voice uh, that spoke with him. And he turns, and what does he see? He doesn't see a voice, he doesn't see a person, he sees seven golden lampstands. Again, seven. Seven, that, again, total number. And here we see him seeing the menorahs, the lampstands. Seven menorahs. This is his first glimpse into the heavenly 
sanctuary. It was a seven-branch menorah in the original temple. I think that's how many seven. I think it was seven menorahs that, uh, that Solomon put into his. Maybe it was ten, I forget. But Solomon also had menorahs in his temple. So John is seeing these seven golden lampstands. And we're going to see as we go through Revelation, he sees the different pieces of furniture that match the earthly sanctuary, but he's seeing it in the heavenly sanctuary. There is a heavenly sanctuary. Book of Hebrews talks extensively about the heavenly sanctuary. And here, Revelation does as well. And it's important for us to have an understanding of that. It's important for us to be able to understand what Yeshua is doing today in our behalf, what he's been doing for the last 2,000 years, what he's going to be doing in order to be able to come. It's important for us to understand the sanctuary in heaven. In order to understand the sanctuary in heaven, it's important for us to understand the model that he gave to us here on the earth. The little model that he gave demonstrates what's going on in heaven. And so as we understand that, so we need to have a proper understanding of, of the Torah, the Levitical laws for the sanctuary, for the temple, as well as the holy days, because they all fit into that as well, in order to properly understand Revelation. So to understand Revelation, we have to understand Daniel, and we have to understand the Torah, and we have to understand Leviticus, and the Levitical laws, and the sanctuary in particular. And it all fits together. Otherwise, we just we won't grasp the meaning of these symbolisms. That's why I was putting this code, and the unlocking of the code is the rest of the Bible. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. And his head and hair were like white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, and as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Beautiful description. Very similar to the description in Daniel. Again, these books overlap tag team together. And he's appearing here as the son of man. He was the king of kings. He's king over all the kings of the earth. But he's also the son of man. He's all these things. So here in this appearance, he's appearing as the son of man. And he's dressed in the clothing like a Levite. Like a Kohanim, serving in the temple there among the lampstands. Again, so to understand him, we have to understand him in his role that he's been in as our Kohen Gadol, as our high priest. And again, to understand that, we have to understand what the high priest's role when he was here on earth, in the earthly sanctuary. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Hey, what does that make you think of? His eyes like a flame of fire. Like a burning fire, like judgment, piercing through, right? It comes with fire, it comes to burn the wicked, destroy the wicked. But also, fire can be, if you think of fire in another way, cold, wintry night, got a fireplace in your house, you take a few logs and put it in a fire and sit in front of the fireplace, or you're out camping, and you make a campfire, and everyone's sitting around the campfire and talking to each other, singing songs, right? It can be very nice, it can be very soothing 
watching the fire, watching the flames dance, giving warmth, giving comfort. Right? So fire can be good, and it can also be very destructive. It all depends on our relation to it. Right? If we jump into the fire, if we play with the fire, we'll get burned. If we resist the fire, if we don't use it as it's designed, put your hand on a hot stove, we'll get burned. But if we work in harmony with it, it can cook our food. It can give us warmth. It was a fire that went with us in the wilderness at night, giving us light and warmth. So his eyes, it all depends who's looking at his eyes. Again, those that are resisting him, his eyes are like judgment condemning them and convicting them. To those who love him, his eyes are warmth and attractive and draws, give comfort. The same, his voice is like many waters. Hey, well, like a stream, many waters, a waterfall, it could be very melodious, camp out near a waterfall or near, near a stream, babbling brook. Oh, it can be very soothing and put you to sleep, right? They even sell CDs and music that you can listen to to help put you to sleep of, of moving water, of rushing water. It can be very nice, right? But then also it could be a torrent. Right? You can get a storm surge during a hurricane that can wipe out miles and miles of of, of houses and land and trees. Again, it all depends on our relationship to it. Water can be a blessing, or we can resist it and get drowned by it. And the same with Yeshua. It's all in what we come. Right? One group loves him as the Lamb. Another group is saying, hide us from the face of the, and the wrath of the Lamb. Verse 16, he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. And again, the sun, the sun can be a good thing. It turns cholesterol into vitamin D. A little bit of sun is good for us. You lay out in the sun too long, you can get heat stroke, you can get sunburn. Take a rocket ship and shoot it out towards the sun, it gets burned up. It all depends on our relationship and how we respond to the sun, how we interact with it. His right hand, he has these seven stars. What are these seven stars? What are these seven stars in his right hand? That's a good question. We're going to let the Bible explain itself. He's got this sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. That's some kind of tongue. The word of God is described as a sword, God's sword, that cuts through the mess, that cuts through the Dirt cuts through the confusion. His word. Verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am him who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys to Hades, the grave, and of death. That's good news. Don't be afraid. Again, he reiterates first and last. Again, he reiterates, I am and I was and I am to come in different way wording here. I am who lives and was dead. He was dead, but he's alive. And because he lives, he has the keys to death. Because he went down in the grave, came forth, he has the keys to death and unlock it for us. Because he lives, we will also live. 
It says, behold, he was dead, right? I was dead. He was dead. He was really dead. When he died, he died. He was dead for three days. He was in the grave for three days. He wasn't anywhere else. He was dead, as it says. I was dead. As God told Adam and Eve, if you sin, you will die. He took the sins of the world upon him, and he died. Miraculously resurrected on the third day. And he's alive, and he'll be alive forevermore. Death has no more power over him. And thus he has the keys over the grave and over the death. So he will resurrect our loved ones. He'll unlock the grave for us. For those that have already passed away, for those that are resting in the Lord. The Lord will wake them up. He will come and bring them forth. We which are alive and remain will be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear life because he is with us. We don't have to fear troubles coming because he's with us. He's been with us and he will continue to be with us. And we don't even have to fear death. Those that have died serving him as they, as they killed the disciples, as they tried to kill John, we don't have to fear death. If we die for the word of God, if we die for faith in the Lord, it's not, a, it's not a problem. He's got the keys to unlock the door. They can try and lock us up, but they can't hold us. He's got the keys. He'll set us free. He'll open it up for us. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear anything because the Lord is with us and he loves us and he's washed us from our sin. Verse 19, write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. Again, the prophecy will take place after time, John's time, writing for John, and on to after that. Things that will take place. And the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven congregations, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven congregations. So here we have an example of the Bible giving some symbolic language, seven stars, seven lampstands, and then he tells us plainly what those things are. Sometimes it's only a few verses later. Sometimes it's in another chapter. Sometimes it's in another book, in Daniel or in the Torah or somewhere else in the Bible. And that's how we understand it. To understand the Bible, we don't go look into Google. We don't go look into the newspapers. A lot of people who try to interpret the Bible, they use the newspaper, basically, as their interpreter. And that's why the prophecies, they keep changing. Their interpretations keep changing from the 80s to the 90s to Y2K to, to today. They keep on changing because they're reading the Bible with one hand and, and the newspaper in the other. The Bible interprets itself. The Bible explains itself. And so all the symbolism in Revelation will be explained to us and will become plain and understandable. That's the key, one of the keys, very important key. So the seven stars are seven angels of the seven congregations. And the seven lampstands are the seven congregations. So to every congregation, God has assigned an angel. 
That's assuring as well. He is with us. He is. He was. He will be to come. And he has assigned an angel to watch over the congregations. So he's got his eyes on us. He loves us. He's with us. And he sent an angel to stand guard with us. And when we saw, when he mentioned the, the seven lampstands, he said he saw the la seven lampstands. What was there in the midst of the seven lampstands? Yeshua was right there in the midst of it. Right? And so he's in the midst of us. He's tabernacling, tabernacling with us. He wants to be with us. He loves being with us. So we have nothing to fear with him by our side. He'll see us through it all. He'll see us through the troubles. He'll see us through the trials. He'll see us through the temptations. He'll see us through the deceptions. It's going to come upon this world to deceive the whole world and even the elect if possible. But we don't have to be deceived. We trust in him. We have faith in him. If we read the words of this prophecy, if we hear the words of this prophecy, if we keep the words of this prophecy, and not only of this prophecy, but the whole entire Bible. And that concludes chapter one, that he is with us, he's in our midst, and he gives us that assurance. And he's got an angel watching over us, standing guard over the congregations and ministering to us. Let us pray together. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name. We thank for your word. We thank for your comfort in it. We're thankful that this book is going to reveal you to us even more. And we pray, Lord, that you give us open eyes to see you in every verse, in every chapter, in everything. Give us enlightenment and understanding. And be with us today. Thank you for being with us in the past in our own personal lives and in the history of this world. And thank you for your assurance that you will be with us to the very end. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.